Hey, you're drinking house coffee, unfiltered conversations brewed at the intersection of real estate life and coffee shop service. We're Maggie and Rich, local business owners and friends sharing stories and welcoming you to pull up a chair with us. The door's always open. Let us pour you a cup. Are we going to drop the exclusive, dude? Are we going to tell him? We should tell him. You told me. Pretty exclusive. You would truly have heard it here first. Truly. And I don't want you to drag this out for 20 episodes, right? <laughs> well, let's just say that I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about the future. I think, uh, I think, you know, I'm excited to be back. Yeah. Or I'm excited to be back in the future when I come back. Me too. <laughs> I think um, many of us are. Yeah. What do you, well, uh, there's a lot to be said. There's a lot to be said. All right. And at the end of the day, I think, I think it's all happening on a good, on like a positive note and lots that I've learned from it, lots I'm taking away from it. And, and ultimately there's a lot of potential that's going to come out of this. So, mm-hmm. um, a lot of things we've been talking about for the last several months here on the podcast, yeah, you and me, things we've been talking about are going to be able to, I mean, I hope, right? In an ideal world, Lord willing, <laughs> they're gonna be, they're gonna be able to come to fruition mm-hmm. because I will be able to be present. So, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but I'm not gonna like, you know, it's only early December. I still got a couple of weeks to, to, to keep my head in the game. Lots of lessons know? learned. Definitely, definitely. I'll be excited to unpack some of those things. Mm-hmm. So, if you haven't you guessed. Gonna- Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, are you going to say what yeah, it is? I was going to say, if you haven't guessed from what we're saying, um, if you've been following this podcast for a length of time, you'll know that my name is Rich and I own a coffee business uh, with some, with my wife and some friends. And we have, for the last six months, been partnered with another local business. And my business is called Storied. That business is called Bishop Ferry General Store. Uh, you know it, you love it. It's a cool place. And they got a sick coffee program, dude. But that's because we've been part of running the cafe operations, the overall cafe for the last six months. And I personally have been not running my own business <laughs> as much as I've been working to manage, uh, help manage this other cafe portion of this other business. So what's going to happen and this is the first this is the this is this is not yet super public knowledge but it's going to be public knowledge in the uh, in the very near future and so you're getting the exclusive if you're listening to this don't go shouting from the rooftops though just in case <laughs> <laughs> um is we're going to be just going in different directions after the uh, in mm-hmm. in the new year so what that does is allows me to be back at storied and really contributing more there than I've been able to. And that's going to allow us to regroup on the staffing situation and figure out, you know, how to better balance things because uh, we've been talking about business models here on the House Coffee Podcast. And what we've got is a business model that's a little out of whack over at Storied. So this is going to give us a chance to maybe um, just regroup on that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of lots to look forward to. I can speak for myself and our audience that we're excited to have you back, Rich. Shucks. Thanks, fam. Well, mm-hmm. I'll be excited to be back. Yeah. That's my news. Sweet. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. And actually, it's just so funny that you bring this up because oh. I wanted to share a quote with you. And I <sighs> this is the first I didn't pre-share this with you. No. You did you had no idea I was planning on sharing this quote. That's very true. But it is so perfect and I want you to Were you like, planning to share this quote with me before you heard this news yes. earlier today? I was planning on sharing this with you That's regardless. Funny. Um and this quote is it's not too late to do what you want to do <laughs> <laughs> if you stop waiting for the right time to do it. Wait, no, I sorry. I messed it up. <laughs> I almost had it right. I I just got too excited. I'll start again. 
It's not too late to do what you want to do if you stop waiting for the right time, for the time to be right. Okay, yeah, yeah. If you stop it's waiting. It's not too late to do what you want to do if you stop waiting for the right, for the time to be right. I don't know why I can't say it. I have a little bit of a dyslexia, but. Uh, it made sense. I think it made sense Here, both ways. you can read it. I wrote it on a post-it. <laughs> Thanks. You can I, keep it. I thought it made sense both ways. I brought it for you. If you stop waiting for the time, time to, to be, be right. right. James Clear. Classic dude. Atomic oh, Habits. Oh, yeah. I forgot to say who it was by. It's by James, James Clear. James Clear. Atomic Habits. Shout out to that book it's that I started too reading late and never finished. But you know it's probably not too late to start reading that book. Yeah. Atomic Habits. I but like the first. You, you could have just stopped at the first sentence. It's not too late to do what you want. <laughs> but I think people always wait because they don't think the timing is right. And this quote is basically saying, you got to stop waiting for the time to be right. It's never too late to do what you want to do. You, the time is always right. Yeah. Well, and I think that's fitting for you. Uh, I think, uh, thanks, Maggie. I appreciate that. I'm going to put that right here where I can see it every time we podcast <laughs> together. <laughs> It, and, and I appreciate that. And I wonder what made you bring that up before knowing what I was going to, that I had this news to share. Which, I by just, the way, this is this is news. This is like breaking news. Like this yeah. just broke yesterday. So it's not like, uh, this is, it's Yeah, it's you all only good. told all, me this like an hour ago. Right, so right, it's right. Not, and I only, you know, it only was a conversation yesterday. So. But I had already planned on sharing that quote with you before you told me your news. Yeah, great. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, yeah, cool. I mean, what you want to do, quote unquote, is such a big idea. You know, sometimes you want to do something like, I, 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 there's a lot of ways I can enter into processing that quote. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that today yeah. right now because we don't have that time. I'm just going to accept, I'm going to receive that. Receive it. Say, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have uh, a thoughtful well, for you, so maybe just That's tell right. me what you've been listening to or all right. what else is up. Rad, I would love to tell you what I've been listening to. I've been listening to the Puberty Podcast. Oh, yes. And this particular episode was season three, episode 20. I don't, I haven't listened to every single episode. I just kind of scroll through Topical. topics yep. that are interesting and pertinent to me. And this episode was ta- uh, titled, Talk to Your Boys. And the guest on this episode was Christopher Pepper, who is an award-winning educator who coordinates the San Francisco United School District's Young Men's Health Project. And he does, um, he gets middle school and high school boys together in small groups to talk about relationships, emotions, and healthy masculinity. And so I thought that this was a good podcast for me to listen to. And just learn more about puberty in young boys since that's sort of the stage of life that I'm in right now. Yeah. <laughs> As you know. Yeah. That sounds so, insightful. It was very insightful. Yeah. And um, just learning how to navigate friendships and emotions and dynamics and everything in, in that stage of life. Um, it's so tough because I mean, yeah. it was tough when we were young and it's, yeah, things are not getting easier, you know? No. And just to put it into perspective, um, when we were in middle school, we didn't have smartphones. Right. Yeah. It's huge. And we didn't have to go through so middle school and high school with this like social media pressure, group texts, dynamics with with other kids in our school and everything. Yeah. And and so that's kind of more the context of what I'm referring to is like, how do I navigate raising a kid who is 12, almost 13 with like the challenges of um, social media and screen time and homework time and sport time and, Music, like everything. Mm -hmm. It's just still a world. And I've been kind of 
plunged into. And I'm loving it. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. I am loving it. But I'm just, I don't know. I've never been in this stage (laughs) of life before. And I I I didn't have the past 12 years to prepare for it now. Right. So, yeah. Proud of you. It's been... It's been a huge learning curve that I'm totally embracing and loving. Cool. But I mean, in 12 years from now, you can listen to this episode (laughs) (laughs) when Oliver's 12. (laughs) It's hard to imagine because so much has changed in 12 years. I mean, I was just out of high school 12 years ago, Mm -hmm. slightly, slightly more, but like 12 years from now, Mm-hmm. You know, that's not that long. That's not that far away. I know. Truth be told. And that wasn't that long ago, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately. But but like you said, smartphones, that changed everything. And I those know. happened in in the wake of that. Yeah. I mean, shout out to AIM, Instant Messenger. Though. I, I mean, know. I mean, we did have like that whole thing. And MySpace, we were, yep. we were, I was on MySpace, mm-hmm. dude. So, I mean, you know, not I, for nothing. I like, had away messages. Y- you know. You yeah. know about the carrot. They three. were all lyrics. You know about the <laughs> carrot three, dude. I know. Yes, I did. Carrot right. three. Yes. Or, or one, four, three. Dude, I was just going to say, or the carrot slash three. Yeah. Crushed. Did you have a link Crushed, to like a, a photo page? Like check out my photo. Um, like, like a Flickr. I probably was linking my MySpace. I wasn't like a big photo guy, I, but um, what was I Photo doing? bucket or something? I had like bands in high school, so oh, I would okay. link to like, you know, all my stuff. Yeah. Link to like the right. band page and. <laughs> Dude, shout out. I wish you could, I wish there was like, and maybe there is, and maybe someone could tell us there's like, like the Wayback Machine or there's other mm-hmm. things online. You can kind of access some of this old stuff, but I wish there were ways to just interact with that now, that, that old way that it was. Cause MySpace now is like, nah, it's not it. It's not mm-hmm. the same. Um, yeah. Just, just for the like nostalgia of it. Someone's got to build that. No, it was <laughs> the a, old my, it the old was a good, it was good. And, Simpler times. Simpler times, indeed. Yeah. What have you been listening to? Um. Yeah. What have I been listening to, dude? What haven't I been listening to? All right. Um. More Dateline. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I. I was. Man, I felt like I was listening to something real specific lately. Let's just pop this book, bad boy open real quick. While you're looking that up, did you hear that Death Cab for Cuties coming to Bro, the Times I, Union Center? I've, I've got an open text message right now with my friend. We're talking about should we buy tickets together? Mm-hmm. Y'all don't know this, but I bought tickets to Death Cab for Cutie, their 20th anniversary tour. Are we going to even have any content today? It's like all banter. <laughs> um, their 20th anniversary tour, Death Cab's album Transatlanticism, and co headline tour with the Postal Service and the 20th celebration of their album Give Up. So it was a co headline tour. Now it's kind of fake. It, that that's a fake out because Ben Gibbard is the lead singer of both bands and writes all this music, but there are different artists involved mm-hmm. with those projects on the side. So they're bringing that all together. They're playing straight through the albums. It's mind blowing. And uh, I bought tickets last February. No, I guess it was this year. Wow. This February. Year. I bought them early this year and I, the concert was supposed to be in like September. Right. So I was like months and months out and I had it all planned well, I didn't have a, I didn't have a lot of plans really dialed for it, but I did know I was going to do it. But then the, that date was coming around and it was like, I had a new, you know, I had this job that I didn't have when I bought the tickets. I had, um, I, mean, I had a kid then, but I had the kid then now still, and <laughs> <laughs> he's older and, and, uh, and it's just like the concert ended up being on, Oh, Christine had, was just starting a new job as a teacher. It was like September. It was like early September. So it was just the worst timing for this concert. And it was three hours away. It was in a different state. So I've done that before to go see a, a show, but it was, I had to call it on this one. And so we sold the tickets to some friends and they were able to go and that was cool. And then lo and behold, all of a sudden out of nowhere, they announced more dates for 2024 of the same tour. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know, there's literally a date right here in Albany yep. rather than having to go three hours. It's it all worked out. Away. So um, we got that pre-sale link to get those tickets. Um, yeah. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. Um, what have I been listening to though? Um, man. Gosh, I was going to say, I had something as I was driving over. I was thinking like, oh yeah, I've been listening to that thing. But now I can't really remember it. 
Oh, okay. All right. You know what it was? Without the thing I was thinking of, I found this documentary. It's kind of like not exactly what are you listening to? It's yeah. What are you? It counts. What are you doing? But <laughs> it was on. I found this documentary, and um, I can't even remember why I thought to mention it. I don't know if it was something we were talking about earlier or something we're talking about right now. But it's basically a documentary on what's called the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement. Okay, the IFB. And I found this oh, documentary oh dear. that is, um, it's rough. It's gnarly. I'm not going to lie. But I think it's so important that this kind of thing exists because, because ultimately this stuff is tragic. And I think it's so much of what makes Christianity look bad, you know? Um, Jesus' teachings are hard to take, like, on their own. But the things that people do to mess it up and go way beyond extreme. and just way out of line with, with extremist stuff that's just like not, it's just, it's just so f- out of pocket as they say. Uh, it's, it's really crazy. So this, this, um, this documentary is kind of chronicling, uh, different, different instances of abuse and, um, and ultimately like, like sex, like sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, is it the one where the Duggars were in it? No, I don't know. No, I don't. I don't know Josh if those Duggar. guys were IFB. They okay. ha- that hasn't come up at all. Okay. In this, this is, this That's is completely different unrelated. Then. You know what this is doing? So there's a, there's the, the figurehead of the IFB, the fundamental Baptist movement from like the forties. The figurehead is this guy, Jack Hiles. And so a lot of people, anyone familiar with that movement will probably hear that name and would know that name. And so the, the, the show kind of traces how that guy got this whole movement started and then the fallout from that. But it's mostly dealing the, it's mostly interviewing and following the stories of people who are our age. So people who grew up in the nineties in this, in this culture of of fundamentalist mm-hmm. like extremism and uh and it's it's um yeah like i said it's tragic mm-hmm. so i was I, I was watching several i watched several episodes of that on what platform i think it's on netflix okay or it could be max but i'm pretty sure it was netflix okay because i have both of those i get confused <laughs> sometimes where i'm watching stuff um, yeah, so I was checking into that cause that's something that's close to home. Cause I've lost friends to that kind of way of thinking. I've also got friends back from that way of thinking and it's such a trip. And I mm-hmm. myself was looking into it when I was kind of new in the faith because I had friends who were influenced by it. So just on the local level, like within New York state, um, in the mid, it, in the Midwest and in the South, uh, those things are especially prevalent and hardcore around here. It kind of gets mm, buried a little bit more. It's like easier to, easier to avoid just cause it's harder to be so vocal and mm-hmm. extreme in such a liberal climate as we have in New York or the Northeast. So interesting. it's easier to avoid around here, but I did like, have just just through through um, proximity with with mm-hmm. people that were close to me. I'm not even going to comment because I have so close. many opinions, and it's yeah, like, you know, it's, it's very right. I grew up in a very conservative household, which is so interesting it's, because you, it's like, because the one you the your your background, from what I understand, is is different in so many ways mm-hmm. in terms of the actual like beliefs about spirituality. There are there are differing beliefs, but the it's it's interesting how the extremism or the fundamentalism can have the same mm-hmm. threads, mm-hmm. even when you have very yeah. different ideas about how God operates. Mm-hmm. Not you, but but two different church like mindsets, but yeah. you still get this same kind of religious extremism. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I don't I'm not one who thinks you know religion doesn't have rules or like practices or ways of life. Cause that's, that's a given, but I do think when it's so out of whack and out of balance and it's missing the heart of the actual message, that's where it's problematic. So just an interesting, insightful, incisive thing I was watching. Cool. And something earlier, I don't know, something earlier that we were talking when you came by the shop made me 
remember, think of it, but I can't remember what that was. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Check it out. Um, let's, I don't know what it's called. What's it That's called? A, um, I, stuff like that is like not to be used like a buzzword, but is like kind of triggering and I'm, I yeah, tend to avoid totally. watching that kind of stuff. If it, if it's like, you probably, um, too extreme or too like sensitive. I, I just tend to avoid stuff like that because it's, uh, not part of my um, lifestyle anymore, yeah. I'll say. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but, yeah. The, All good. Yeah. All good. I just think, you know, people, there are people who find that interesting or there are people who find it, uh, in, like, cathartic to yeah. go through that. I think one of the cool things about this, the documentary is how it's it's basically tracing the stories of justice. It's like these people getting justice. Gotcha. And um, because there were there were crimes done against them, you know, yeah. it was like it was yeah. it was trauma, it was abuse, mm-hmm. and and they're telling the story, so they're they're exposing it, they're uncovering it. But then they're all, you're also seeing how they got how they've they're in mm-hmm. they're, they have this 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 gr- they've come together people who have all mm-hmm. shared this experience from different places mm-hmm. Washington State Indiana mm-hmm. uh, Florida like like you see how they end up kind of forming this community that that rallies around and yeah. and and ultimately seeks justice and ultimately finds justice. As these things are mm-hmm. brought to bear, it's actually mm-hmm. on Max. Surprise, surprise! Okay. Yeah, on the Max app, and it's called "Let Us Pray," P R E Y. Ooh, a ministry of scandals. Ooh. So I watched. I love a good pun. So yeah, so I watched <laughs> a few episodes. Cool. Okay. So yeah. how are we doing? Let's just check. Let's check the time real quick because wrapping yeah. up the uh, business model canvas. I would love to do that today. I'd love to wrap it all up. So what's how, how much time you got? What time um, you got to go? I have about 30 minutes. Okay. Dope. Yeah. So if you've been tracking with us last week, we did just a little casual convo mm-hmm. post Thanksgiving. Uh, but two weeks, did we only have two weeks before that? that we Three weeks three? ago because we, th- we, we had a, wait a minute. Right. Well, but how many episodes have we done on the business model stuff? Two weeks mm, or three? I think it's two, two or three. I can't remember either. I think it's two. Okay. <laughs> we did two weeks so far going through these nine components of a business model. And today we hope to wrap that up. So we'll go through the last, so we've been through up through five. So we can do the last four, I think today. And yeah. so we're just really kind of doing survey level survey. Like, this is episode 32, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I didn't give you the chance earlier. No. Just, we just jumped right in. Um, and I, yeah. And the reason we're exploring business models is because of my premise that people take business models for granted. And they don't really, most, I would say most people don't, most people don't understand uh, uh, what a business model is, how it works, um, what it is, what are its component parts. Even business owners, and I'm venturing to say that most business owners don't understand their own business model and don't truly know how, one, if they have a model that works, or two, how well it works and or how it could work better. So I'm personally- Including myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've proven my point. You've you've actually been exhibit A on how people don't understand, and not a knock, but like- no, you've, our conversations have been enlightening because as we have gathered this, this framework for understanding business models, it's become clear how much there is to think about it and how much goes into it. And mm-hmm. <laughs> as you're, uh, as you're admitting, um, there's, yep. a, there's, you don't, you know, we don't necessarily understand our business models. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate the candor there. Yeah. That's a good recap. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So today we're going to talk about those last, um, those last four. Okay. Yes. The first five were number one, your value proposition. So what is it your, what problem are you solving? That's the real question with number one, what problem are you solving? Two, who are you doing it for? Who are your people? Who are your customers? Your target market? Three sales channels. 
Yep. I'm going off the dome. I'm mm-hmm. going off the dome here. Four um, was Custies. Yep. Custody relationships, your customers. So how are you going to get them? How are you going to grow them? And, uh, and how are you going to keep them? Impressive. Right? Number five was revenue streams, not to be confused with sales channels. Revenue streams is how money's getting to you. What are the ways that you're basically cashing checks? Um, are you cashing checks? Are you, is it cash? Is it, is it online? It's, is it retail? Is it business to business? Uh, all that kind of stuff, right? Am I yep. right? Or was B2B number three? See, it gets confusing. Another point we made was that there's a lot of crossover in a lot of these things. They're not exactly a linear progression here as much as there's bleed through mm-hmm. in all of these things. So they all work together when you've got a good model. Everything is kind of part of a system. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing to understand. So today we got to talk about his. A- I'll, you got the list. Number six, <laughs> assets. Number seven, partners and suppliers or your relationships. Um, and I should say assets, also key resources. Number eight, key activities. And number nine, what does it cost? Bottom line it. Overhead. Yep. So all these things are coming from a YouTube video that I found called the Business Model Canvas. And it's a nine-minute video, just over nine minutes, that has that basically lays out this handy framework for understanding business models. And I thought it was maybe the most concise way yeah, while still being incredibly thorough and like hitting all of the markers for a good, for all the things you should consider Mm -hmm. for a business model. And if you look at these nine things, you can basically take this framework, this grid, and like I'm trying to build out a lens here through which we can really look at any business and say, okay, how, how do they have those things? And ultimately look at, ultimately look at our own businesses and say, in what way are we, doing all these, you know, how are all these things applying? Are we lacking anything? Do we need to rework things? And, you know, you and I have very different businesses, which is another reason Mm -hmm. why this is fun to explore. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm working out the question for myself and, you know, you have your own things, but I'm working out Mm -hmm. the question is my, is my model, is my business model working (laughs) or Mm -hmm. how do I make my business model work? Because it's just been an ongoing thing and constant evolution over its story, trying to figure out how the heck do we make this thing work out and ultimately sustainable. That's, that's the real key. That's what we're after. Right. So that's a lot of reintro to get us to the point of talking about assets. Yeah. So Rich, that's me. when it comes to assets, AKA key resources. What does that look like for storied coffee? Well, assets, that's going to be like physical stuff. I think it's um, going to be, let's see. Would that be? Um, physical, financial, intellectual personnel. Yeah. Your espresso machines. Yeah, totally. I think it comes down to your physical gear, you know, depending on your business. So like in a restaurant business, you got to have the right kind of... Um, Which is different than like coffee beans, right? Those wouldn't necessarily be assets, right? Mm, good question. See, I, I don't or actually... Cups. I think I look assets. at it as like... Yeah, I mean, assets is the stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, but more importantly, it's the key resource we're trying to talk about. It's it's the what, are the... what are the strategically important things? That's what really you're paying more attention to or asking like like bigger picture questions about in terms of your business model. But go ahead, not to cut you off. No, I, I'm just trying to put it in like real life example. Concrete terms. Yeah. yeah. So I would say like Abby is an extreme asset to my business, right? Okay. She's a co-owner. But before that, she was a all-star employee who crushed it every day, day in, day out. And um she had some assets that allowed her to financially partner with us and become our owner of our business. And now like her being, you know, in the position she's in as an owner versus an employee, like there's a lot of flexibility created. So Mm -hmm. that was a really important move that we made. And she's a very important part of the business at this point, creating a lot of opportunities for us. So it's, you know, the owners, I would say, now I'm, I, don't take what we're saying here for 
or gold? Because I'm not sure the technical definitions around all these things, and I mm-hmm. bet they exist. Like the, there's a reason business schools <laughs> are out here, right? Mm-hmm. So we're just kind of spitballing off of these things, and that's more so how I want to approach this. But when I think about assets in our business, I'm thinking about the the, the people like that. Um, I think Christine has you know has been an asset in our relationship. Um, has been an asset. Those are a little less tangible, possibly in in terms of how they translate to to helping our business. But um, location, <laughs> in our case, not an asset. I would say okay. we thought it was going to be an asset because you know hometown hero, blah blah blah, whatever. Like I'm from Scotia, and I know the area and stuff like that. But if you can talk about location as an asset, I would say that has not been that great for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but technically that's probably part of, you know, that's something you could think about. Um, we do have a, a lease we are on a, on a physical space. So in terms of a restaurant, you need, you need a brick and mortar, basically, you need a storefront that you can operate out of and bring people into to, to drive those sales. So we do have a, a good space, um, that houses a lot of our houses, all of, all of our stuff, most of our stuff. Um, what else financially, that's been something we've struggled with. The financial assets have definitely, they've come and gone. They've come and gone. There's, Mm -hmm. there's been times we've had access to capital through different programs or loans or, or opportunities or partnerships and that has worked out. There are some partnerships that have been good and have been assets to our business over time. Um, yeah, I I think, you know, it's speaking kind of generally, but those are the types of things. I think you, you also have assets in a business like branding, logos, things mm-hmm. like that. Like they're, they're literally called brand assets. Oh. So hmm. I think that we have a pretty good brand. Definitely. In my opinion, yeah, which is biased. Uh, and it is ultimately, ultimately like the design work has primarily been done by me, but I mean, this afternoon alone, I mean, the, from the time, like from the time I came into story today and till close, you had several guests who were not regulars, true, who were new ish. One was visiting from out of town and literally Googled coffee shops and found you. She was looking for a cool coffee shop. Yeah. (laughs) And like she lives in Virginia Mm -hmm. and the other couple like was also like looking around for coffee shops. And then I think someone else said they came from Saratoga. Yeah. So like (laughs) that should say something. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I think even though Scotia isn't a destination, all the, the, in the last hour that you were open today, you had several guests, not including that one person who was a regular. Well, not, you knew her name, so I'm assuming. Um, all of those people yeah. came to Scotia to see you. Yeah. Well, not, not me in particular. Well, to see, but to story. But to hang, yeah. but yeah, to, to vibe with story. And yeah. that's really cool. And I think that speaks to some of the assets that we have on deck. I Definitely. I think something that you might think that you might not think of that could be an asset is like good reviews. Mm. You know, I know that people choose a place that has like high four point, four point mm-hmm. something. We were 4.8, I'm pretty sure on Google. And that, mm-hmm. to me, that's the only one that matters. Um, yeah. So yeah. So like that's an asset which mm-hmm. has come from our good ex- staff that we've had over the years who have invested in their custody relationships. <laughs> The physical, financial, intellectual, personal, um, or personnel. For Welcome Home Co. Yeah. I would say my trailer. Right. It's an asset. That's a, it's a huge, uh, yeah. an asset. And it's like, I was thinking about my business model coincidentally. And I was like, I think the reason why I have had success with my staging business is because my overhead is so low. Sure. I have very low overhead. That's important. I just bought a trailer. Right. You don't have a storefront that you're... Yeah. 
paying rent on. Most of your stuff's done f- and I from own, home. Yep. I own all of my inventory. And, um, yeah, I, I have help, but that's also, I don't know if that, I don't yeah, know. That's if, a, that's like, yeah, that's for sure. Like Joe and yeah, Brandon. Brandon. Yeah. Those are huge assets. And so they that's are. like my, I don't know, but I don't have like, other than I see what you're saying. There's not a lot to name because you don't have a yeah. lot of stuff, stuff. to, 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 other your, to than your business. The actual furniture, but which that's is, kind of which is cool. That's just furniture. Like I'm not gonna go and name every individual like pillow and plant and <laughs> like accessory. Yeah, right. You but know? all of those kinds of home staging items mm-hmm. are assets for you. Yeah. yeah. Now that got me thinking about like the number of espresso machines <laughs> I, I I currently own mm-hmm. or have owned over the mm-hmm. years. It's a surprising number. <laughs> yeah. And and all of those have come in handy at different times. And and owning two right now, I own two La Marzocco, like full scale professional espresso machines. And that's created the opportunity to more or less run two bu- two businesses or two iterations mm-hmm. of the storied brand at, at the same time at different times. And we have our little travel espresso machine, also that La Marzocco Mini that has allowed us to do pop-ups at the same time mm-hmm. as well, or that has subbed in for the big boys when those have gone down, mm-hmm. you know, we've run the bar with just one single group linea mini at times too. And that's, that's been a huge asset, which got to shout out Christine because we bought that with her tax return mm-hmm. one year in 2019. <laughs> I was telling you the story of how I drove down to Virginia Oh yeah, and back in the same day, 14 mm-hmm. hours round trip. For that, was that the to machine? To get that little espresso machine. And that's proven to be huge. When mm-hmm. we went on parental leave, when Ollie was born, we took it home and we had our own espresso bar at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so talk about an asset. That's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, for Thanksgiving, we had guests at my house from out of town for several days. And I shopped my trailer for right. furniture <laughs> to use while yeah. they were there. And like chairs and um, coffee table, like yep. carpets, area rugs, things like that. Shout out to the assets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good, um, I th- that makes that clear. Like what, yeah. we're, what the kind of stuff you're talking about. What are the things that are, are tangible, sometimes intangible, but, but they're still like tangibles to your business. Yeah. They, they're, they're functional to your business, things that you possess. There's this line in the Muppet Christmas Carol. Have you seen it? Probably. <laughs> Where the the rats are trying to convince Ebenezer Scrooge to put more coal in the fire. And they're like they they're like trying to get Kermit to like ask for more coal. And the the rats are like, we're freezing. And the one rat is like shivering and he goes, our assets are frozen. (laughs) And that's the only thing I could think of because they're like free. And then. That's funny on a number of levels. Yeah. It's, it's just like a play on words. But it's just, that makes, whenever I hear assets, I always think of that line in the Muppet Christmas Carol. That's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so part number seven, partners and suppliers, which yeah, in one sense can could be assets, could be mm-hmm. an asset to you, but but specifically if depending on the kind of business you're in, uh, maybe maybe it doesn't matter what kind of business you're in because you will always there will always be relationships that are important to your business in terms of your partnerships, yeah, and and suppliers, and I mean for me it's. It's other realtors. Yeah. Tell yeah. me more. Well, my business, my staging business is mostly word of mouth. And the people who refer me are other real estate agents who are about to list a house for sale. And they believe it needs to be staged in order to for it to be marketed and show well. And so I have to maintain good relationships with other real estate agents in order to continue to grow and get more business. Yeah. That makes sense. And yeah, because you've said it's mostly realtor, other realtors who, yeah. who hire you. So that's that checks out. Um suppliers. I don't know how that would factor in your into your yeah. 
your model, frankly, I mean, suppliers can be like, that's, you almost have to think a little more concretely on this one and maybe couch it in terms of like supply chain is a way that we're all affected by supplier relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was never a better time than COVID to, to to begin to understand supply chain and how we all are inter dependence yeah. uh, in business and just in life, right? So for me, suppliers is, is maybe a bit more clear cut. Like I've got my coffee comes from crew. So there's my mm-hmm. coffee supplier, right? And even they've got suppliers from Royal Coffee in, in, um, in New York and New Jersey, which is a, a green coffee importer. So they get raw coffee from other coffee, from other countries, coffee growing regions, they import the green coffee, then they've got it in their warehouses and then companies, roasting companies like crew work with them. So they've got their suppliers and then they're supplying us. It kind of goes two ways there. And then, um, so that's, that's like a supply supplier relationship. What else I got? I get tea from short and stout, which is huge on our bubble tea front. Mm-hmm. Cause we do all real loose leaf teas for the bubble tea. So we've got our tea supplier, we got our coffee supplier and ultimately we're a, we're a coffee and and tea business. So those are our two biggest, most important things we've got. We get matcha from Saratoga tea and honey. So there's, there's another one. And I have found over time that the, if I, <laughs> I want to have the least number of suppliers yeah. I have found, because you know what that means? That means I have, a, the, I have the least number of bills, mm-hmm. the least number of, of another word we use in the industry is, is vendors. These are, these are my vendors. Yeah. And I want to have as few vendors as possible because that's as few people I owe money to as possible. Yep. Technically in a, in a way right now, Pong, like with Sue, she's, she's my bakery supplier, even though she's baking in house and we're kind of like sharing the, the revenue on that, um, through an arrangement, but it's like, we, we no longer do stuff in house for our bakery, nor are we outsourcing it from BJ's or whatever, mm-hmm. which I hope I've told that story before. Cause mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little funny to me, but, but now it's all in house baked goods, but it's, it's not us. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's from Pong. So that's been, that's been and really they're cool. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We were just talking about that earlier. Um, I don't know that, that probably makes that clear. So, uh, unfortunately, I have to go to Restaurant Depot. <laughs> yeah. Right. But at yeah. Fisher Ferry, like we've got a relationship with Driscoll Food, uh, Driscoll Food Service. So I can, you know, I've got my rep there and I can just text her the order and mm-hmm. then they supply from all their various suppliers. They bring us what we need. And so I can either get that at Restaurant Depot or work with Driscoll, depending on the week and what I need. And it's it's been handy in that environment to have both of those options. At Storied, I don't have that Driscoll connection. I just have Restaurant Depot or or other sources online or something or the grocery store. Yeah. So it's all about supply. It, we call it supply chain because there's there's so many links in that system that have to line up for you to get what you need on yeah. a timely in a timely fashion. I it's wonder if difficult you could categorize. Um, estate sale business owners as part of my partners and suppliers, because that's where if you I get, have repeat contacts. I do. Definitely. Especially. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. That, Shout out to Mark Williams. I was going to say that brings up an interesting point. Complete estate solutions. Is that his company? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Cause so with my, he, he was giving me books Yeah, a couple of times. He, he was trying to hook me. He hooked me up with books and that was really cool. Cause mm-hmm. I was trying to find book. I could definitely, I could technically be a supplier because I made that connection. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're definitely an asset. <laughs> you have definitely been an asset. So shout out to that. But yeah, Mark is is someone who um, yeah, a good runs an estate sale business, and um, I I frequent his sales and. Um, Sometimes I'll be like, hey, if you ever come across this kind of chair, let me know. Yeah. Or he'll call me up um, the day before a sale and, and say, hey, um, I think you'll like a couple of things that we have at the sale. You should stop by this weekend. And I do. That's cool. Yeah. And those kind of relationships where you got the same, there's the trust there mm-hmm. and you know, they know, they know, you know that they know what you're looking for and what mm-hmm. you need. That's, that's, that's an asset and that's a key yep. relationship. Like, mm-hmm. That's, that's really cool. 
uh, I wish that I had more capacity. And maybe now without Visher Ferry, like frankly, maybe I'll have more capacity mm-hmm. to go get books when Mark yeah. calls, you know, because mm-hmm. they're that those were sick. Those were mm-hmm. sick lots. I have so many books. Mm-hmm. That's why I can't take any more books. I just frankly, we have too many. I mm-hmm. I gotta get more on the shelf before I can t- take on more. Yeah. But but part of it was not having the time. Yeah. But I'm stoked to to know him. So thanks for making that mm-hmm. that connection. Definitely. It it's a win win. Um for Mark and you. Yeah, true, true. So partners, suppliers. Mm-hmm. Um, could probably keep picking at that one, but it, it's just, hopefully I'm that's, tapped out. Hopefully um, that's let, self-evident. Yeah. So, okay. Number eight, key activities. What are those? What are the expert things we will do? Expert things that we do. So this is going to be kind of unique to you personally as in whatever your role is, right? So in your business, you're the founder and you're the CEO and you're the head honcho. So yes. like, so, so you are so much of, of dictating so much a part of dictating, like what are the key things that I have to do or that welcome home co has to do? So it's, it's linked up with, with either one of us in our own businesses because of the roles yep. that we occupy. I can, I can give you a couple of examples and you can let me know if this is what you're thinking. Um, I staged a house earlier this year where it was kind of a historical home. And um, one of the bathrooms was missing a shower curtain rod. And so... It's always something. Yeah. And it's like, (laughs) I went out and I bought a shower curtain rod and I installed it so that the bathroom would look good and would have that finished look to it. And it wasn't photographed without a shower rod. Um, and in that same house, another thing that I did was um, the, the, the newel post, which is the post that's at the base of a staircase. It's like a big, who knew? Well, that's why I explained yeah. what it was. It's called the newel post. Now I know. N E W E L L newel. Yeah. Um, the top part of the wooden like decorative ball at the top of the newel post was detached from, from the post. So I went and got some gorilla wood glue and I reattached, I glued it and reattached it. So it wasn't like a screw, like, so it wasn't like something poking out at the top of it, but it mm-hmm. had that finished look because it was right at the entryway of the home. Mm-hmm. And it was just sort of like placed on top of there. And I I was didn't want showings to happen and somebody to put their hand on top of the newel post and it like fall or get lost or whatever. And I just thought it would just be a nice touch yeah. to just repair that so that it was done. So Full service. Those are a couple examples. I think... If if you say expert things we do, like small repairs to a home. Yeah. Well, okay. So that's an interesting example. Those are, those are such specific examples and they're kind of little things. And I'm trying to basically take w- those as examples and like take the average of them and figure out what's the bigger idea in terms mm. of your expertise that would lead you to do that. Right. And the details. So, so it's like, I pay attention to the details. Yeah. And that, that, that could qualify, that might qualify here. What are the expert things we'll do? What are the key activities? And it's like, you're going to, you're going to fully consider everything about your staging project, you know, Mm -hmm. because you're going to take your expertise in staging and you have your eye for, for design Mm -hmm. and your experience with people. And you're going to say, all right, I'm going to, there's this newel post thing. It's, we got to work that out. And there's a shower curtain rounds missing and we're going to, catch all these little things mm-hmm. that other people are going to catch if we don't catch them first. Yes. And, or other, other companies might just leave and not, and not repair. Sure. Yeah. So in terms of like how but you, the s- details you're saying are what people will notice. I'm trying to take those examples and extrapolate them into, you know, how is this representing your expertise Oh, personally? So I was 
mm-hmm. painting that out a little gotcha. bit. Does that gotcha. make sense? Yeah, that broadening, makes sense. Broadening that out. So that's how I would kind of interpret this one. What are what what makes you an expert, or what is expert about you, or or how is your expertise going to come through in the in the ways in the things you do? And those are good examples of how I think you're applying your expertise mm-hmm. to this this uh, this the thing. details. Um, the little things are actually big things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's in my line of work. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's what makes you. Um, that's what makes Welcome Home Co. That's, that's a that's a that's one thing that Welcome Home Co. is going to do is is uh, cover those those little details. Mm-hmm. Um, I think can think of one thing for storied. Yeah, I know. I I was I was. It's funny. I'm thinking more. I'm thinking for you more oh. too. So we're like thinking for each other. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you know people's names. You go out of your way to learn people's names, and even like. You you ask like qualifying questions to help remember their name. Yeah. Okay. We uh, that this is true. This is true. I'm trying to say. I'm trying to ask myself. I'm not trying to be too picky, but I'm also trying to say like, what do we mean by this key activity thing? You in make other words, your own tea for your milk teas. <laughs> you brew them. You brew them from. Yeah, that's a that's probably a good example. The key activities, the way I'm, the way I'm, I'm trying to understand this question to myself, right? When I understand key activities, it's like, what are the things our business has to do? What are the essential things we have to do? So we were, I was using this expertise language, but really the question is, what are the key things that we have to do to operate, to exist, to be storied, to be welcome home? And I think you're, I think you're right with that example. Is we're going to make tea in honor of tea, like we're going to take an oolong tea and look, I'm no tea expert. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, coffee is my wheelhouse, but like we're going to take an oolong tea. We're going to steep it for five minutes and at 200 degrees, we're going to take a white tea and it's going to be 175 for five minutes and green tea, three minutes, 175, right? 185. So we're going to do, it's and it's all loose leaf and we're going to give it room to expand. And so, yes, we're going to, we're going to pay attention to details, uh, in the ways that we're doing these things, we're going to be a little bit more technical than your average coffee shop, quote unquote, or your average cafe. And same with espresso, right? We got scales. We got, um, well, scales are actually kind of a game changer. Yeah. <laughs> pretty revolutionary in the coffee world. Uh, you can see a coffee bar without a scale. Um, I don't know, maybe just get a batch brew or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, so we're going to apply the expertise in these areas, because for me, key activity for sure is like, we're going to steep this tea to the right concentration for our milk teas. And we're going to make this espresso according to this recipe. And we're going to use this blend of coffee. And then we're going to make sure those things are right. And we're going to steam milk to the right texture and temperature for the beverages. And those are the key activities in our specialty coffee and milk tea business that we're going to, we're going to do for sure. I would say also that you are obsessed with perfecting the process. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- yeah, I, 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 that has become a key activity for sure for me. Yeah. I think the process is, is, uh, is huge. And the, the thing that I'm like, the only caveat I have in like, even to, for myself or in the back of my mind is like, are these really key activities? Because you could still run a business. I could still run an iteration of story that doesn't pay all this attention to these details. Is really what I mean? So I'm, I'm kind of asking myself, what is the line between what do I have to do? Do I have to do this thing in this way to still run this business? And sometimes the answer is going to be no, but that's okay. Because at the same time for us, the answer is, well, it is a key activity. We, because it, to me, that's what makes us um, storied. You know, that's right. what makes us this thing. So I, I just think the thing to understand about key activities is these are essential things that if you don't do them, you will either not be running a business effectively or eventually at all, <laughs> or you're not going to be running the same business that you otherwise would be running. You'd be running a different iteration of that business. That would maybe be okay, or, or it's just something entirely different, but you have to ask yourself, what are the key activities that for us make us storied? And 
that's the, or, you know, or welcome, or, or welcome home or whatever. So it's like, what do we have to do? How do we apply our expertise in a way that makes it uniquely my brand with the way I want to experience it? And I think that can be any number of things and probably an infinite list if you want it to be. And I think that could be okay, actually, as long as you have number nine in view, which is cost, mm-hmm. right? So that's actually a funny little thought experiment for me. Key, uh, key activities right up against cost is an interesting, is an interesting thing because... I think a lot of people, for me, maybe, I should just focus on myself on this one. A lot of people think that a lot of the things they do in their business are essential things. But but are they, though? I bet it's arguable how essential some of the things we do are. And probably some of those things that we've deemed essential processes or essential ways of doing business are costing us in a way that's ultimately not sustainable, but if we could change our mindset on them and, or, or allow a different way of doing it or tweak it, then the, it might be more cost effective and ultimately mm-hmm. sustainable. I think we're going to have to put really a pin in that. really interesting to spot to, to stop. well that got us up to cost which is cool and i I did say earlier i did say at an earlier point that we could probably have a whole episode on cost Mm -hmm. ultimately ultimately maybe we'll pick this up next time and we can maybe move on from there in the the next episode because i don't know how much there is to say about cost in particular that we haven't already just hinted at or said ultimately the question is are all of these things lining up and coming together in a way that you can pay for? And Do that's you, profitable. Yes. That is, that is ultimately making more than it's, than it's costing. Yeah. And, uh, and is that increasing over time? That's the only mm-hmm. way it's going to work. So if in any of these places, you know, if your key activities are costing you money because they take too much time or they're costing you money and you don't even need them. Like you got to reevaluate those quote unquote key activities Mm -hmm. or, or look through any of these things. Is your personnel costing you? Are your customer relationships underdeveloped? Are you failing to get customers, right? Do you not have enough sales channels? Are your revenue streams empty riverbeds? (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. there's all these kinds of ways to look at it and the things you're doing, they have to be, cost effective and you got to have more ultimately your business model has to be in a vehicle that's that's um that's taking in enough fuel to get that vehicle where it needs to go it yeah. really i think is as simple as that when you want to boil it down and so frankly i mean that's that's kind of like i it would I don't even think we could do an episode yeah. on, on just specifically looking at st- like we could, we could do several more episodes and I don't want to because yeah. it's just actually going to just happen organically as we continue our mm-hmm. basic, our general conversations. I don't want to do a whole episode just poking at storied or at your business mm-hmm. model. Right. And saying, okay, in this area, you know, how, how are we yeah. doing? What can we do differently? I think that's just part of the conversation we already have all the time. Yeah. And so I'm going to let that just bleed into our normal conversations. I love it. From here. We will link the video again in our notes, in the show notes, in the podcast, for you to check out the business model canvas for yourself. And it was, you know, really, really good information, illustrations that go along with it simple concepts, but kind of like broken down and, um, yeah, you can watch it in less time than it took for us to (laughs) explain in four episodes. Of course. Of course. course. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I found that thanks for doing this with me, Maggie, Mm because I thought I found this really insightful. I think it's, you know, for me, this was helpful to have a group to come coming away with a grid for understanding 
components of my business and how it's working. And as I move, as I transition out of this relationship with Vishra Ferry and just move myself back into a more like physically present place and in storied, it's going to be interesting to start applying these things and really regrouping. I've already been talking with all kinds of people, yourself included about new ideas. I've got things for the new year for storied that will shift a lot of these these components of, of our business model mm-hmm. and, uh, and move away from costly quote unquote key activities to more toward cost effective ways of, of interpreting, you know, what we, what we need to be offering quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> so Can't looking wait. forward to applying all these things mm-hmm. in our lives and processing that together. Yeah. All right. Well, Anything else? That's all for today. Dude, thanks for coming along for the ride if you've been yeah. riding with us on this business model stuff. Definitely. Send us a DM or an email, housecoffeepodcast at gmail.com. And if you're feeling sassy, you can also leave <laughs> us a review. Yeah, but not too sassy. Not too sassy. Not too sassy. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need no three stars out here. <laughs> All right. Later. Bye.